This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We love people around here, and so our goal is to see you have an encounter with Jesus today. And I believe that can happen. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, our ushers will get you one. I'm going to begin in Genesis chapter 22. Once again, I welcome you here. Easter Sunday. What a, what a time that we can celebrate our resurrected Savior, that we're the redeemed of the Lord, that He's repurchased you today, that He's, he's paid the price for every one of us in this room. And you know, as human beings, if we were to go to a court of law, every one of us in here, when it pertains to sin, would be guilty. Every one of us in here. And it doesn't matter of, of how much or how little sin, every one of us would be guilty of sin. But thank God that God sent His only Son, Jesus, and because of what Jesus did, me and you have been acquitted. We've been justified. We've been declared righteous, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus did. And in Revelations 12, it talks about the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So you know what he does all day? He yaks about what you've done. And he says, well, they've done this, and they've done this, and they've done this. Well, in a court of law, how you shut stuff up like that is through evidence. And so you know what Jesus does? He lifts up his shirt and he shows the stripes on his back. And he holds his hands up. And you know what every bit of that says? Innocent. We've been declared justified. We've been declared righteous because of what Jesus did. So I'm going to take you through a little journey this morning. Begin with me in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. And you'll see this is the shadow of what would happen ultimately with Father God and the Lord Jesus. Verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac. Okay? That's exactly what Father God did. Whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. And so the very next morning, early in the morning, Isaac and, and Abraham go to the hills of Moriah. And on their way there, they, they take all the things that they need with them. And when they're on the altar, Isaac realizes, where's the offering? Verse number 7, the same chapter. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. The very question that Isaac asked his father Abraham, Where is the lamb? 2,000 years later, that question was answered. Not through Isaac, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the answer that Abraham said... That, that God would provide the lamb? 2,000 years later, that question was answered too through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And He was crucified in the hills of Moriah right there where they were. And so that's why we're here today to just celebrate that these things took place not for Jesus, but for our good. Now go with me into the New Testament to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. You know, some of the scriptures as we're going there, in John 1.29, it says 
that Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Also in Revelations 12.10, it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so there was a huge price paid for every one of us. Now, in the New Testament, in, in, in Luke chapter number 16, or 24, Mark 16, John 20 and 21, every one of those have recounts of the, the crucifixion, the resurrection. Every one of them talk about that. I want us to focus just a little bit on what took place here with the resurrection of Jesus. And before we get there, let, let's go back and review the past week. A week ago today was Palm Sunday. Jesus came strolling into Jerusalem on the donkey, and, and the crowd started yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You can see that, that same passage of Scripture in Psalm 118, verses 24, 25, 26. Monday evening, Passover started. On Thursday evening, Jesus ate the Last Supper with the disciples. And then on early Friday morning, He was flogged. About noon, He was crucified. About 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, He died. And from 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon till early Sunday morning, the Bible's very clear that Jesus was in the, the, the belly of the earth or in hell. And you know what he was doing there? He was defeating principalities and powers for me and you. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 15. That he defeated them. That he disarmed them. That he made a public display of all the demonic forces. And when he exited hell he bruised the devil's head. Now I don't know about you. If you've ever passionately worshipped for your favorite sports team. I mean, you think when, when someone wins the Super Bowl or they win the NCAA championship, all the confetti and all the noise and all the celebration that takes place. But can you imagine the day that Jesus was raised from the grave? The celebration that was going on in heaven? I believe the angels were dancing. And, and, and Father God stood up. Because understand this. The devil thought he had killed Jesus. I think he began to boast to to the demons, we got him. He's dead, he'll never bother us again. But early that Sunday morning, Father God stood up on the throne. And he said, it's time I brought my son home. And when Jesus rose from the grave, all of hell and all of heaven and all of earth took notice. Now look with me in in Matthew 28. Let's start in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now I want you to think about this, because on Friday at Jesus' crucifixion, there was a great earthquake. That got all of nature's attention. But here early Sunday morning, There's another earthquake. Keep reading here. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and rolled back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. Now, he sat on this tomb, or this stone here, and and think about this just for a little bit. I believe the reason this angel did that is I think he was mocking death. He was looking at death like, never again. Will you, you run rampant over us? Never again will you have the, the stronghold you have on us. Because death is no more the same now because of what Jesus did. 
Keep reading. Verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Now, there's no other religion, and I'm not here to bash religions today. But there's no other religion that can boast that their Savior is risen. You know where old Buddha's at? He's in a tomb. Old Muhammad, he's in a tomb. Harry Krishna, he's in a tomb. Muhammad, he's in a tomb. But not Jesus. And the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus, is the bedrock of Christianity. This is our foundation. They understand this. He's alive and He's well. Actually, the Bible says that He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for me and you. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 says that Father God bestowed the name above every name upon Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and in hell. That's a lot better than American Express, guys. I'll tell you that right now. With what Jesus did came a warranty that only He could make. And the warranty that Jesus made is an eternal one. It's not 90 days, same as cash, all right? It's forever. He is not here, for He is risen. And He said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. That's still the call on this Easter morning. Every one of us in here are called to tell people He's risen from the dead. Will everyone receive that? No. But our job is to go ahead and tell them. Tell them this is what happened. Now turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I want you to see some things here today, some recordings that take place of the appearances of His resurrection all through the New Testament. Acts chapter 1. Verse number 1. To the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering or after his crucifixion, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, I want us to really jump in here just for a minute and look at some of the words. He said, many infallible or convincing proofs. Many unmistakable proofs. The New Living says, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, let me ask you this question this morning. I'm going to ask you several. Does it take faith to believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Yes, it does. I'm going to answer that for you. Yes, it does. And the reason it takes faith is because we're believing in this man named Jesus that he rose from the grave, even though none of us in this room have ever seen him with our natural or physical eye. I don't know about you, but when I gave my heart to Jesus, Jesus didn't stroll up to me on the street and hand me a business card and say, Hello, I'm Jesus. It would be good for you to receive me. No, what happens? 
is we hear people preach about Jesus or we have family members that have witnessed to us about Jesus and something happens on the inside where you look and you begin to believe those scriptures or what they told you and something happens in your heart. That's what happened to every one of us that got born again here. That we heard the good news. We're to continue to tell about the good news. But how many things do we believe in our life that we've never seen? Actually, a lot more things than we choose to believe. Let me, let me help you a little bit here and give you a couple analogies. In 1865, there was a man named John Wilkes Booth that they say shot and killed Abraham Lincoln. Now, if I was asked you how many of in this room believe that that, that took place, I would say, if not all of us, the vast majority would say, I believe that took place. But here's another fact. Not one of us in this room were there. That would have been meaning you were born in the 1860 era. You weren't born then, okay? Not one of us in this room witnessed it with our natural or our physical eye. But yet we all believe that. Why do we believe that? Because people told us, because all the history books we read. And so we believe things like that. Why is it so difficult to believe about what Jesus did? How about this? On July 20th, 1969, it was the first time that human beings had ever landed on the moon. I was eight years old when that took place. I remember all the news leading up to that and, and the, the, the evening that that took place. I remember going outside on, on, on my home at 617 West Yuck and Clovis. And I looked up at the moon and I didn't see anybody up there. Not one person. But the next day and the upcoming weeks, there were pictures of people on the moon. And so we believe that, but yet... How do we know that that wasn't a Hollywood movie or a hoax? Because we choose to believe those things. So this is what happens in our life. We choose to believe things. And my point in saying that stuff, the resurrection of Jesus was a fact. This took place. Now look what it says. Read it again. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them being seen by them, the disciples, during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the disciples, guys, these were the eyewitnesses. Remember, these guys are the men who spent three years with Jesus before his death. And then after he was rose from the grave, he he stayed on this earth for 40 more days. Now, I want you to think just a little bit about these men called the disciples. Do you think they would risk their life or give them their lives? And many of them died for this cause if it was a fraud, if it wasn't true. No, these men believed with all their heart that Jesus rose from the grave and they witnessed. And I say that so you can have a confidence today to have faith in Jesus based on the Bible. This is what the Word of God says. Now, turn over a couple pages to Acts chapter 10. I believe that he died. I believe that that he rose from the grave. And I believe that he's alive right now. Acts chapter 10. Begin with me in verse 39. And we are witnesses. And we are witnesses 
of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So when you look at this, guys, there were many people that were around Jesus after he rose from the dead. Actually, the first Sunday that Jesus rose, he appeared to 17 different people. Six women and 11 men. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, Mary Cleopas, Joanna, Salome, not Salome, Salome, and two other unidentified women. Eleven disciples, minus Judas Iscariot, who had hung himself, and a man named Thomas, who skipped church that first Sunday. Don't miss church on Sundays, okay? Now, I've always thought about this, that Thomas comes in after that first Easter Sunday. And he said, boys, how was church today? And, you know, Peter always had a a problem with talking. And I bet Peter looked at him and said, you missed it, buddy. It was the Super Bowl of Sundays. And Thomas said, well, I'll just get the CD. And Peter said, go ahead. It won't be the same. I'll listen to the podcast. I'll follow Jesus on Twitter or Facebook. And Peter looked and said, go ahead. But it'll never be the same. Don't miss church. Keep reading with me here. Verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and not the dead. To him all the prophets prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. At the name of Jesus. Now underline some words in there. That whoever believes in Him will have remission of sins. I don't earn salvation, guys. I just believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And I confess with my mouth. And because I do that, I get a walk in the remission of sins. This is a, a, a great passage of story for everybody I want you to think about this today. Because in my life, up till the age of 20, I was a great sinner. I had all kinds of sin in my life. And I remember at 18, 19, I began to hear passages of Scripture on this. And I had this thought. Well, I better start cleaning up my act before I come to Jesus. Because Jesus won't accept me if I have all that sin. But that defeats why Father God sent him in the first place. If me and you could get over sin without Jesus, we would have never needed Jesus in the first place. Why do I say that today? Because there's many of you in here got sin in your life. And you know what Jesus is saying? I'm just waiting for you to come and receive me. I'm just waiting so I can forgive you of all your sin. And I'll tell you to this day, guys... I rejoice knowing all that my, all my sin has been forgiven. It's probably like many of you. I had a bunch of sin. Thank God the blood of Jesus speaks today. 
Thank God love still speaks today. Now, I want to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And to really get this, guys, I'm going to read this in the message because it's a lot easier to understand. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. Now, listen close to this. I need to emphasize, friends, that our natural earthly lives don't in themselves lead us by their very nature to the kingdom of God. Their very nature is to die. So how could they naturally end up in the life kingdom? Let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast end all blasts from a trumpet, and in the time you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At the same moment, in the same way, we'll all be changed in the resurrection scheme of things. This has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true. Death swallowed by triumph light. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening, and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now, in a, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of the Master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Now when I read that, I think in my own life. Guilt and shame and sin is gone. Now this may be a big revelation to some of you today, but every one of us in this room are going to die. Not if, but when. And every one of us in this room are going to spend eternity at one or two places. Either heaven or hell. And there's a lot of people in our society have the mindset that everybody's going to be in heaven. That's not going to be true. Okay? It comes to this, that I have to make this choice to receive Jesus in my heart and to live for Him. Now, let me ask you another question here. Do you think that your faith in the resurrection, does it make it a fact? No. Your faith in the resurrection doesn't make it a fact. Your faith in the resurrection, however, will save your soul. The, the, the fact of the resurrection, it doesn't take you to believe in it to make it a fact. It's already a fact. Now look with me in the book of Revelations, chapter number 1. Revelations, chapter 1. What a time to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. You know, one of the things I encourage you to do is bind yourself to the blood of Jesus every day. Just as easy as saying that, that, Father God, I bind myself to the blood of Jesus. Allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Revelations chapter 1. And in this passage, you're going to see that the return of Jesus will be actual. It will be personal, but it will also be visible. Revelations 1, verse 7. Behold... He, Jesus, is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even though they who pierced Him, 
And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Now, Father God, he puts his signature on the prophecy that was just spoken. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. Verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega and the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, which represent churches that are light in a dark world. And in the midst of the the churches, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades, the unseen realm, realm, and of death. Now what this means, guys, is Jesus defeated the death. He defeated the grave. And I want to put hope in every one of us today. That you can spend eternity with Jesus. And every one of us in this room have lost friends, loved ones, family members that have already died. They'll be somewhere in eternity too. And you can see them again. And this, this is the confidence that I want every one of us in this room to see, to have. That no longer does death not give us hope anymore. There's hope after life here. There's hope after we die and leave this earth. And it's through Jesus Christ. And many of you that attend church here, you've said this, that, or I've said this. That if you ever hear that Pastor Stormy died and went home to be with Jesus, don't get mad. Celebrate. Celebrate. Because I believe this personally. The older I get, we've looked at death at a bad thing. When death isn't a bad thing. You know why I say that? Because when we die and we're born again, we get to go where everybody desires to be. A place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sickness, no more disease. And some of you say, I'd like to go there right now. See, that's what I'm talking about. And my point is today is because of what Jesus did for every one of us in this room. Oh, death, where is your sting? I don't have to be worried about death. Thank you for listening to the podcast. 
For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.